Hello, I'm Brian Spence from Ballariata Trustees and I have here my colleague uh, Greg McGuinness who's a trustee representative in Ballariata's Glasgow office and uh, what we're going to talk about today is the new uh, accredited professional trustee framework that has been developed over the last uh, few years and was launched early in 2019 with a view to be implemented. We think now, probably Greg, the latest we think is, is probably early 2020. Yeah, the, the latest um, intelligence is that they're trying to have a class of accredited people all to achieve at the same time so no one gets brownie points or bragging rights out of being the first accredited trustee. The plan is to have the first class coming through at the beginning of next year. So Greg, you were one of the early adopters of the award and pension trusteeship, so you had no worries in terms of an additional exam to sit to become an accredited trustee? Indeed, I um, almost as a, in a test basis part, um, sat the exam a couple of years ago when it was, it was first released. Um, and part of our continuous role as a trustee, a professional trustee, to make sure that our co-trustees keep up with best practice, knowledge and understanding. I always took the test of doing the exam so that I could then market it to an extent okay. to co-trustees. Well, I have to say, whenever I saw the exam was a requirement, like, like a number, even though I've been working as a trustee for many years, like a number of our um, colleagues and other trustees in the business, I hadn't actually done any form of exam for, for, for some years. But um, I, I, I bit the bullet and um, sat it in March, thankfully, successfully. Um, and uh, it, 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 was a, it was an interesting having done an exam for a while, but um, my observation on it was that you know, it's a really good idea to have a basic, you know, like a driving test. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's an exam that is particularly demanding or, or, or even test everything that you, you might need to know as a trustee, um, but it tests some basic levels of knowledge. And I think it would be fair to say that for anybody who has been working full-time or, or nearly full-time as a professional trustee for a few years, they should really be able to get the exam fairly quickly. The, the syllabus for the exam is based very much on the pension regulator's toolkit. And uh, you do need to, I think, know a few other bits and pieces, but uh, my, 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 my feeling is that people who have worked as professional trustees should be able to complete that exam relatively easily. That was my feeling. It's, it may take a little bit of work for the less experienced. The, in the modern world, professional trusteeship, you tend to have more of a range than we ever have, um, including within our own firm. We have people who have primarily from an accounting background or legal background that maybe don't have the the traditional experience in the wider pensions environment, which works in a multidisciplinary um, firm like ours. But they maybe need slightly more work just because they've not lived and breathed it for decades like we have. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to remember that we're creating, whilst we've had a profession with a small p, we're creating a profession out of nothing almost properly. And we had to find an exam basis that was a good test, but it's the first step in a long road of developing a proper, robust, professional standard, and it's a very good first first step to ensure that the people 
hold themselves out there as experts have a very good foundation knowledge of what the whole world of pensions can look like? So, certainly, it should be something I think that anybody who really has proper experience shouldn't be dissuaded from um, you know, doing an exam. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's something that, that uh, a little bit of working through the toolkit and just making sure that your knowledge is up to date in a few areas just in case it's, in, in case it's slipped. Um, I, I would tend to have more experience myself working with DB than with DC schemes, so I have to admit I did take a run through the toolkit before I sat the exam on the DC side, just in case there was any anything that I missed, although there really wasn't too much that I, I, think that I learned that was new. The, um, the, the second part of the uh, accreditation framework then is um, uh, fitness and properness, so, so I think that's going to involve some sort of reference um, from people within the industry explaining um, you know, the, their experience of working with you. I'm not quite sure what the detail of that's going to be, but presumably that will be launched later this year. And then the third bit of it is, is uh, soft skills. So I've heard various rumours about how they're going to assess soft skills from assessment centres where people weigh up in small groups and role play to multiple choice questions, but soft skills are important as a trustee, I think. Yeah, it's um, like any board structure. We yeah, the pension scheme, in its traditional sense, is being managed by a committee. And if that committee can't work together, it's not going to be valued the pension scheme. So it's important that the interactions are valuable um, and properly structured. And whether this chair of trustees or not, there's always an certain expectation of the professional because that is their day job to be overseeing and structuring and making sure the flow happens and that all members of the board have a voice and the voice is heard. So it's important that a professional trustee can make those interactions, but, but even goes beyond that. The, one of the most important parts of being a trustee is being able to speak to the sponsor of the pension scheme, the regulatory bodies, the advisors, the whole universe of everybody that's involved in making a pension scheme work. And if you don't have those soft skills, then you're just not going to get the job done. Um, but it is a hard area for people to try and mark, to judge, to test. Also, having discussed it with members of the PMI, they're on a budget. They don't have an endless budget, for, for, so they have to find something that's proportionate, that's doable at a reasonable cost, and it's not too onerous on the professionals themselves. Because whilst it's very important, extremely important, we have a proper profession, the people are properly accredited, the only those people that can prove they have the right skills should be allowed to call themselves professionals. We also have very important jobs of running pension schemes and in charge of billions of pounds. So we can't expect people to take too much time away from the day job just to go through a, an assessment process. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a hard balance of finding something that will work to test it, but it's a very important thing to test. Well obviously we'll be, we'll be looking um, to the APPT, the Association of Professional Pension Trustees with interest to see what they, what they introduce there um, over the next few months.
Um, so obviously the accreditation framework that has been developed by effectively the industry with the support of the pensions regulator um, is, is, is part of the pension regulator's drive to improve governance standards for, for pension schemes. What, what do you think the difference is going to be now for an employer or, or even a board of trustees who are thinking about bringing a professional trustee onto, onto their board? Um, what difference do you think the, the accreditation framework will, will bring? The accreditation framework in itself should give employers, co-trustees, some level of comfort that the person they're picking has already been tested. They've got their driving licence, they're a safe pair of hands. Um, in Welsh, just now we have a self-regulate. Expecting the trustees themselves to self-regulate. And for the most part, most professional trustees are very good, very honest, very responsible professionals. But especially in some of the um, in the darker side of pensions that we come across, there are people out there that either are not on the level or they've overshot themselves and they don't have the knowledge, experience or processes to be doing the job properly. So it should give the employers, the co-trustees, the members, the comfort that the person they're appointed has the right qualifications, experience, structure to do the job they've been appointed to do. And also I think we may develop that in, in different conversations. But there, there are three different levels. So you'll have trustees that are accredited to be a co-trustee to sit on a board, which is slightly different skill set from the chair, and that will have a different badge. And then we'll have a different badge again for those firms that, are pro that have the right people to be classed as sole trustees. I think the most important thing is that it allows visibility very quick visibility to the buyer that they're buying a product that's fit for purpose. Um, furthermore, as you say, it's part of a wider strategy for the pensions regulator. It'll be interesting to see how the accreditation process interlinks with the outcome from the most recent consultation on the future of trusteeship. So the need for potentially lay trustees to have regulated knowledge and understanding and um, lifelong learning or for mandatory professional trustees and if there's a mandatory, mandatory professional trustee you want to be making sure that the one you've got has been through the process and is properly qualified to be doing the job you're buying them to do. The other, the, 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 the other aspect, I, I don't think it's been without an element of controversy, is that to become an accredited professional trustee, I think as I understand it at the moment, you have to actually sign up and be party to the, the professional standards that were introduced by the Association of Professional Pension Trustees, the APPT. And uh, I think that the combination of the accreditation process and the professional standards should probably dissuade some people who've maybe picked up a little bit of knowledge over the years, maybe acting as a member nominally as a trustee or a or employer nominally as a trustee on a trustee board, maybe only on one or two schemes. Um, uh, it, it should maybe dissuade people like that from from adopting um, 
professional trusteeship as a as 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 maybe a little bit of a end to the career, you know, ease down into retirement, do a few few hours a week at, um, because I, 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 I certainly think that that kind of casual um, approach to calling, to, to, to becoming a professional trustee, and, and at least nominally so, hasn't done our, our, our industry any particularly good in recent years, and, and, and I, I am hoping that that people will, will either um, say, hey, this is something that is worth spending time on, it's, 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 you know, I'm going to invest in it, I'm going to invest in myself, I'm going to get myself up to the right standard, or well, I'll maybe do something else. That, that, and, I, and I think that has got to be a, a key part of, of, of the benefit that will be obtained from the accreditation, um, just the fact that it maybe just weeds out uh, uh, the, some of those slightly more casual people. I think I think I'd be hopeful that it doesn't discourage people who really could do the job well. Um, uh, even people who've been maybe doing it well and don't see that many years in the future. You know, I hope they will not be dissuaded from from you know continuing to work when, you know properly when they can add value. But inevitably, I think probably some people will maybe move away from seeing this as, a, as, as something they want to do. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We, I think it's important that the, first of all, the standards, it's important we have professional standards. Every profession has standards, they have to be there. It's almost the thing we couldn't do without. The, as far as the exam and the soft scale stuff, Hopefully that's not too big a thing to put people off, especially as you say, people who may be in the twilight of their trustee here, but still have a few years left. It shouldn't be too big a step for them. Um, and even that the accreditation framework doesn't necessarily need to be the end of the sort of diligent amateur who is paid, but are not holding themselves out as a um, an expert in general. So for instance, you're retiring HR directors who continue to be a trust a remunerated trustee of that one pension scheme, which they know very well. Whilst we still have lay trustees, there will be a place for that and they possibly do deserve some level of remuneration, um, as long as they're not holding themselves out to the rest of the market as a general professional. Mm -hmm. um, but those general professionals that are very experienced, but maybe think they're in the twilight of their career. Hopefully, either they can remain in the jobs they're in with the people they already know they're good enough without being accredited as we transition, or they will not see it as too big a step. Because I think it was important we, we, we found a balance as the, as the industry in having a standard step that doesn't scare and dissuade those people from staying involved but hopefully will evolve in time to make sure new people and younger blood come into the industry is coming in at the right level um, rather than necessarily seeing it as a step into partial retirement which has been um, has been an issue for a long time people who are possibly beyond the, 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 the their careers as actuaries or lawyers thought being a trustee was a good way to continue to be in the industry beyond a normal career.
The accreditation framework is, is uh, I suppose, a first pass at it. Um, I, I, the one thing I, I kind of feel is that um, if, if, if I'm, say, engaging a plumber to, to do some work on my house, I kind of expect them to follow a, an accepted approach to have proper processes and procedures and to follow a methodology, not just make it up as they go along. And uh, I, 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 I'd certainly like to see the accreditation framework move off more in that direction as time goes on and be more about process and about ensuring that, you know, if you take a scheme on, you know, we in Dalriada yeah, act as trustees of um, over 200 pension schemes and we have a process that we follow every time we take a pension scheme on. We do a certain number of things and we do it many, many times and we refine it based on, on, uh, on, uh, uh, on our experience and, and, and there are lots of other activities that we have as, as during the operational scheme where similarly we've developed very strong processes that we apply and that we audit and ensure that they're being followed and I, I think that that is the sort of direction I'd personally like to see the standards going a lot more of it is about having processes in place and obviously uh, uh, you know Dalriada would be the we think probably the second largest firm of professional um, pension trustees and uh, uh, we think that the processes we have might be more elaborate than say a sole practitioner or a smaller firm but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be processes there should be clear processes for the main functions that a trustee should be undertaking yes and it's, it's already recognized in the the standards as are but only at the sole trustee level that a sole trust the firm is holding says it has been a sole trustee must have accredited and audited processes um, and it's only it can only be a matter of time before that is developed throughout all trustees even if it's one man he must have a process these are the steps you do when you take on a pension scheme. This is the due diligence um, that you must do when you take on. This is the due diligence you must undertake when going through the evaluation process. The question is how much of those processes will be within the professional trustee standard and how much of them are mere, will be prescribed by the regulator as part of guidance. Um, we're already seeing an, or an expectation that the next set of guidance that comes out of the regulator next year is going to be more prescriptive on what a trustee should and shouldn't do during an evaluation process. So it may be that not, it's not fully required within one set of standards because it's already covered that all trustees, be them professional or otherwise, must be following certain standards, but definitely if you're holding yourself out to be a professional firm, you have to be showing that you're following processes, but most importantly there is peer review, but it's not just one man's idea, um, and that's where processes become most important. Uh, but yeah, it's getting the right marriage of not creating two sets of rules, where one will do, because it'll be interesting how we develop in conjunction with what comes out of the regulator in the next few years. Of course, sole trusteeship is, is, is a subject in its own right. And, and Indeed, and I think, we can only touch on that just I, now that's I think a we're, piece I think, of I think we're 
um, reaching the end of the time that's been allotted to us for, for this little video, but I think I think soul trusteeship is something we'll probably pick up in, in, in a subsequent video. Um, but um, anyway, if you've been, anybody's been listening, I hope you find this discussion useful and uh, we will be producing a few more videos on the subject of trusteeship and the strengthening of governance standards as the situation develops over over the next um, months and years and uh, thanks very much for listening thank you